Welcome. 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 You're listening to Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. On today's episode of Built by Us, we are talking about Black love with married couple Don and Martin Blagrove. Don is the executive director of Emancipate NC, and Martin is a Johnston County nurse anesthetist. We hope you enjoyed the episode. My name is Dawn Blagrove. I'm married to Martin Blagrove. We have been together for 30 years and we have been married for 23. I'm Martin Blagrove. Like she said, we've been married for 23 years. We met at Florida A&M University. I was a sophomore and Dawn was a freshman, right as school started, before class started, right? Before classes started. Before classes started. The day my parents left for dropping me off. Yep, that's when we met and... Literally have been together ever since. The story is really, like, story is a little bit more detailed than the one that Martin gave. We met at a mutual friend's apartment at, like, a gathering, right? And I didn't really talk to Martin that night, but my roommate did. And so she was like, when we got back home, back to the dorm, she was like, you know, I really like that guy. And I was like, who? And she was like, the guy was, you know, talking to, because Martin didn't know how to, Martin decided he didn't want to play space that night. He claims he knew how to play. He just didn't want to play. And so whatever. Um, that's, that is debatable. I know how to play space. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, the point is, Grace was like, oh, he's so sweet. That's Grace is my roommate. Grace was like, oh, he was so nice. You should talk to him. So Grace tells Martin's friend. Grace was playing matchmaker because that's what she does. Right. So Grace was playing matchmaker. So Grace tells Martin's friend that I liked him mm-hmm. and gave, that I wanted Dave to give Martin my number. Mm-hmm. So Martin calls and I'm yeah. like. So she set the whole thing up. Who is this? Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the funny thing. Because yeah. I don't know this dude, right? So Grace doesn't remember his name. Right. So I'm on the phone with him and I'm like, okay. And then we start having this great conversation. And it's, I mean, it's really going well. We click immediately. But you know, we were past the point where I could be like, what's, what's your name, name again? She did not know my name. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, Grace, what's his name? After we hung up. And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, so, so I had his number at that point and I called him back the next day. And Grace was like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I know it starts with an M, so I'm just going to wing it and we'll see what happens, right? So I call his apartment and I'm like, hey, can I speak to him? <laughs> and his roommate, Larry, answered the phone. And Larry was like, you mean Martin? And I was like, yes, that's who I mean, Martin. That's who I want to speak to. <laughs> and so I was pretty much like, okay, I'm still collecting phone numbers because, you know, just got to school. I don't really know this dude, whatever. Right. <laughs> so I'm in the cafeteria. I'm eating with my roommate Grace and two other dudes that she had picked up in the cafeteria. And I look up, we're sitting in a booth and I look up and Martin is standing there and he's smiling at me. And it was at that moment that I was like, I think I'm gonna keep him. So I told everybody else, like, you know, no more calling. That's it. I'm done. We're exclusive. And then I was at his apartment one day 
And he was like, hey, answer the phone. So I answered the phone. It's one of his friends who actually turned out to be our, it was Ron, right? Mm-mm. Why do I think that was Ron? That was uh, L.A. It was L.A. Mm-hmm. Why was L.A. calling so. you? Anyways, whatever. So I answered the phone. The person asked to speak to Martin. I hand him the phone. And the person asked him, who was that? And Martin says. That's my girlfriend. And I was like, huh, I guess I'm his girl. And that's that. And that's it. We've been together ever since. The thing I love most about Dawn is what attracted me to her from the beginning. We were both kind of like-minded and we had the same thoughts and ideas about the world pretty much. Uh, We clicked on a lot of, uh, just a lot of ideas of how things should be and what we would like our lives to be. And which was different from, you know, most people. We were, I guess we were both kind of old souls, I guess. That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's true. And we've just allowed our lives to just flourish. We kind of stay out of each other's way and let each other do what what we feel like we need to do. And we just watch each other grow. So what I love most about Martin, what I've always loved about Martin, um, is that he is incredibly secure in who he is. Very, very, very grounded. When I took him home the first time, one of my high school teachers took us out to dinner and he told Martin, you know, it's hard to love a woman like Dawn. And for years I was like, what does that mean? Right. But as I grew older, I understood that what it meant was it, it takes a special kind of man to love a woman who is as strong, as smart, as assertive, um, as I am, and not only love me, but encourage me to grow, encourage my light to shine, um, do whatever it takes to make sure that I am offering my best self to the world all the time. Um, that is what I love most about Martin, is that he looks at me and sees the best of me. He looks at me and sees what I what I can be, what I should be. And he helps me remember that because I see it reflected in his eyes and the way he talks to me and the way he treats me and the way he supports me. So yeah, that's what I love most about Ryan. He kind of cute. <laughs> How I see my role in the movement is I, like I said before, I just stay out of her way, basically. <laughs> And uh, in, in support, you know, I don't, I'm not out there, you know, I'm not, I don't do what Dawn does. I can't do what she does. That's just not me. I'm not a good public speaker at all. That's not true. <laughs> yes, it That's is. not true. I am not as smart as she is. To, oh my God, that is certainly not true. I'm just saying. Stop it. It was the truth. Whatever. Anyway. So I'm there to support. I am support staff. I guess is what I am. Yeah, that is my role. Is it my turn? Go for it. Thank you. Martin's, okay. So Martin's role in the movement, <laughs> just for clarification, is that he is my silent partner. Okay. Because I could not do this work without Martin. 
I could not be Dawn Blake Grove, executive director of Emancipate NC without the full throated support of Martin Blake Grove. Like there is no Emancipate without Martin. He supports us in a way that finances, he underwrites financially. <laughs> My ability to be able to throw rocks and still be able to eat and send our kids to college and stuff and buy, have a nice house and live in, you know, Go on vacation. I think my role is you throw she throws rocks. That's what, she says. <laughs> That's what my mother says. I do for a living. I throw rocks for a living. That is my role <laughs> in the movement. No, seriously, I feel like my role in the movement is to um my role in the movement is to be the spook who sat by the door. All right. So let me explain what that means for your listeners. So this book who sat by the door is a book that I read as a child. Um, And it's a book about a black man who becomes the first federal agent who takes all of this training that he gets from the federal government. And then he goes back into the streets of Chicago, organizes the street gangs and starts a revolution. But in order to do that, he, the main character name was Dan Freeman had to be able to walk in both worlds. He had to be able to make white folks feel a little bit comfortable and then also be trusted and respected by the people in a community. Literally, the, the book, the character has been kind of the blueprint for my life, right? So I have all of this education and I have all of these, all of this beautiful pedigree and all of that, you know, all of the, the trappings that you're supposed to have to be a happy, you know, upper middle class, black, bougie woman. And then I use it in a way that empowers the least of us. I use it in a way that brings the voices of the people who do not have access to tables that they wouldn't normally be able to sit at, where their voices wouldn't normally be heard. Um, That is what I live for. That is what I live for. That is why I do this, to, to be able to bring agency for so many people who are denied it in so many instances. So that's my role. I want to say that if you are Black in America, you fight every day. Uh, you, you fight for your survival. It doesn't matter how, how that fight shows up, how that fight looks is different, but you do that. You are fighting for that every single day. Like I go out in the world and throw rocks. And so I am doing it in a very forward facing way, but Martin, it works in Johnston County, right? And part of his fight is to show up and maintain his dignity in a space that isn't designed for him to have that dignity, right? Um, In operating rooms and in hospitals, you know, across Johnston County where he's fighting. He fights every single day. It doesn't look like it looks for me, but it's different but it's real. It's no less real. It's no less traumatic. Um, And the way that we, uh, I think the way that we support each other is um, to make our home a safe space, right? That this is always a place where I can come or he can come and he can say to me, you know, I did not have a great day today at work right? Or let me vent to you about some of the struggles that I had, right? At work today, where I wanted to say this, but instead I said that, 
because everybody needs to go to school and we need to keep paying the mortgage, right? And so I can't choke, he can't choke people out, right? Like he can't do it, right? So so there's a level of suppression of, of a lot of indignation that black people do every single day in this country, right? And so the way we support each other is to come home and create a safe space for, for you to vent create a safe space for your um, for your reality to be validated, right? Because so often black folks are gaslit, right? Like we making this stuff up, like these, these, these slights and these microaggressions aren't real. It's important to come home to a safe space where your those microaggressions and the harm that they cause are validated. You can tell someone your story and they say, that is some bull. Like, I can't believe, right. You know what I mean? Um, so... I think that's the way we support each other. Yeah, giving you a safe space, being able just just providing a comfortable, loving, nurturing home as best it can. So before we came on, I mentioned to Martin that he might be asked about his love language. And he was like, what is a love language? I speak, my love language is English. That's what he said. His love language though is is actions. I'll give you a perfect example. So we have these lovely electric toothbrushes and we have dual, dual sink vanity in our bathroom, but I don't use mine. I only use his <laughs> because it's closest to the door. So uh, he gets up in the morning because he has to be at work early. And so he leaves before me. So um, one morning I wake up and I can't find my toothbrush. And I see that he has put it on its charger on my side of the sink. And when I talked to him later on that day, that morning, he says, well, it looked like, I couldn't remember the last time it was charged. So I figured I should charge it for you. And then a couple of days later, I wake up and my charger is plugged in on his side of the sink. And my toothbrush is on my charger because he said, well, you never use your side and I don't want your toothbrush to, to not be charged. So I figured I'd just move your charger over here so that your toothbrush can be charged. That is Martin's love language, right? Like it sounds like such a simple, small thing, but that is his love language. His love language is through like that, that little bitty, that, that small thing, just making sure my toothbrush stays charged. <laughs> like it sounds silly, but it's really a big thing, right? It's a really a big detail. Um, and that's, that's Martin's love language all day long, every day. That's his love language. That's his love language. Like he's not going to be like, uh, could you use your own damn sink? No, he's going to make it easier for us to use his sink. What do we do to get on people's nerves? We get on okay, nerves. so here's our okay, our toxic couple trait is we we are very insulated, right? Like we we if we have a choice of where to be, we're together. We're together all the time. And when you're with someone as much as we're all together, as a result, we have our own like shorthand languages and things, words that mean different shit to different, you know what I mean? So we talk to each other in a way and we might say like, for example, here's a good example. So Martin, when I first met him, had a cousin, <laughs> he had a cousin who had just come out as being gay. 
And so every single time he talked about her, he would be like, my cousin, the gay one, my cousin, the gay one, my cousin, the gay one. And I was like, Martin, she had to have done something besides be gay. You just found out she was gay. What else does she do? What else did she do? How did you qualify her before you found out she was gay? Like last week. And he was like, uh, she went to Rutgers. So unintentionally, our code word for gay now is Rutgers. <laughs> so, so we'll be talking and we'll, we'll be like, I think she went to Rutgers. And I'll be like, hey, for real? You know she went to Rutgers? And he'll be like, yeah, I think she did. <laughs> that's, so I think that's probably our, like one of our toxic traits. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's probably our toxic trait. What does black love mean to me? If you're talking about black love, all we can do is go off of what we thought the ancestors made it. Our ancestors, you know, there's supposedly not a lot of uh, depiction of black love in, in the general American culture. But, you know, the more we grow and the older we get, you can feel it coming out. And it means just what we were talking about, you know, supporting each other, having each other's back, protecting each other. No one talks about me protecting her, but she protects me as well. And Black love is building a family and building, building our family. And you can only imagine that that is what our ancestors were after as well. I mean, I don't know. I'm, that may have been too. Uh, That's because you're so smart. I think if I had to find, it's hard to define, but if I had to define black love, and it's a quote that I use quite frequently, and it's from Nikki Giovanni's poem, um, Nikki Rosa Black love is black wealth. For so, so long, uh, we were denied any material possessions, even the ability to hold on and maintain our families and secure places in America. So what we had, the only thing we had for a long time was the ability to love each other unconditionally, that uh, without compromise, love each other in a way that meant that sometimes I have to love you from afar. Sometimes I have to love you despite yourself, right? Because that is the most important thing that we possess. Martin talked about the ancestors. That is the most important thing that we had was Black love, was love, was the love that we had for one another. And so in my mind, Black love is Black wealth. That's really what it is. We can't, we cannot survive in America without it driving us insane without it driving us to self-destruction. We can't survive and thrive. We can't survive and thrive without Black love. And Black love means that it could be the love from a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, a man and a man, a mother and a child, a father and a child, um, a friend, whatever. The interconnectivity of black love and the black ethos is 
it just can't be overstated so often. You know, Black love is walking into a room full of white folks, full of white folks, and seeing that one other Black person and giving each other that nod of recognition to know that I see you and you see me. And even though we've never met before, in that nod, that is Black love. That sense of connectedness, that is Black love. And we need that to survive. I think the advice that I would give to Black couples is... I think I said it already, you know, just get out of each other's way. Mm. Get out of each other's way and allow people to allow your spouse, your children, your family to just uh, let them do what they're going to do and support them Mm -hmm. because you may think you want them to go one way but they're going to go the way that they are drawn to and is if you can support them and push them they're going to do fabulous things you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. just just get out of their way and just help them support them you know because dawn says that i support her but she supports me just by like i may have some harebrained scheme And it's a harebrained scheme in her mind, but as far as I'm concerned, it makes a whole lot of sense. And she might look at me kind of crazy, like, uh, but she just says, you know what, go on ahead. All right, let's see. Let's see let's what happens. That, that, that happens a lot of times. <laughs> all right, all right. And I, I can honestly say that almost never are his harebrained schemes uh, bust. They always thrive and succeed. It may seem uh, But it crazy. sounds crazy to me because my orientation is different, but I'm just like, oh. yeah. Let's do it again. Let's do it. She could easily say, no, we're not going to do that. You need to, don't do this. Don't do that. It's too risky. (laughs) Yeah. But we don't. We don't. We we allow each other to just, okay, go for it. I think the advice that I would give to Black couples is honor and respect the terms of your relationship. There are, there is no right or wrong way to do this. Um, the what makes our marriage work, what makes our relationship work, it's not going to work for everybody else. You have to honor the terms of your relationship. And if you get to the point where you no longer like the terms of your relationship, either you adapt, right? Or you leave. but ultimately a marriage and a relationship is just like any other contractual agreement everybody has terms I don't know what the terms are of yours but you better know so that you can know it's not working right and when you are violating the terms of your relationship and you need to check yourself and when your partner is violating the terms of your relationship and he or she needs to check themselves one thing that my mom told me when I was young, that always stuck with me and that, that I pass on to my children and all the, the village of children that are a part of our lives is this. It is much less to know, it's much less important to know what you want in a relationship than it is to know what you will not tolerate in a relationship, what you don't want. Mm-hmm. It's more important to know what you don't want. What is your body? When it when when do you pull when do you pull push the eject button, right? Because if you don't have that, then anything goes, right? 
Um, so yeah, trust the terms of your own relationship, but be careful. Be careful about the terms that you set, because believe me, you are setting those terms early on. You don't get to change them, right? Like, like for example, I'll clean. I don't like cleaning. I'll do it. I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. I, I'm not. That's the term of our relationship, right? Martin likes stuff to be tidy sometimes, right? So that means he gotta do it. <laughs> so what that but what that looks like in my house is I don't know how to work the dishwasher. I don't know mm-hmm. how it turns on. I don't know where you put the damn soap. I don't know shit about the dishwasher. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. And other people will come into our home and be like, what the heck? She don't, you do nothing? No, I don't. I don't do that. No, I do other stuff. Lots and lots of other stuff. But I don't know how to work the dishwasher. That's the term of our relationship. That's not going to work for everybody, but it works for us, right? So that's us. Know the terms. That's my advice. But I also think that what's important to me um, is that I fight for other folks, um, for their rights, for whatever, for their humanity. But I always feel that Martin will fight for me under any circumstances. Um, when I am with him, I am, I feel safe. I feel protected. He creates a space for me that where I can, where I can take off my armor. And that is so important. Thank you for having us. We don't do it as often. You know, when you be with somebody every day for 30 years, you don't really spend a lot of time being like, why do you like me? You don't do that. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. Yes, you do. You do it all the time. I do. <laughs>